great God. And you can be seated. Uh, thank you for being here tonight. See, we have some visitors tonight. Thank you for being with us. Give our visitors a hand tonight. And uh, let's just, like I say, continue to pray for those that they'll get that are sick, that they'll get better and, and get back to the house of the Lord. Um, God's able. I believe he'll do it too. Thankful tonight, I, uh, before all this week of shutdown and live streaming and things like that, I'd ask Brother Philip White to preach for us tonight. So uh, we know this fellow right here. So let's give him a hand as he comes tonight. Looking forward to hearing what he's got from the Lord. God's good, isn't he? Sunday we'll be back regular, 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock. And um, it's going to be a great day to invite somebody to church. And, man, we're excited about what God's doing, what he's going to do on Sunday. It's going to be powerful. You don't want to miss it. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord, church. That, that was just a little bit COVID week, if I can say that. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. I know it's Wednesday night, and we are super, super tired, I'm sure, from our days. But that does not negate the fact that our God deserves praise and honor and glory. Lord, I worship you in this house. I thank you for what you are going to do tonight, Lord. Let's give him praise right now. God, you are so good to us, Jesus. I love you, my Lord. I thank you for speaking to our hearts tonight, God. In Jesus' name, yes, yes, yes. You got one more hand clap for the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All right. You may be seated. Um, I just want to kind of talk to you for a little bit tonight, if that's okay. And I can hear my wife on live stream telling me to go ahead and slow down. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's been one of, those, one of those weeks, actually. You know, January of 2022 has been full of exciting things so far. Amen? At least for me. I mean, we, we try to take time every year and sort of set a game plan for the upcoming year. We, my wife and I like to sit down and plan some goals, um, some things that we want to look back on at the end of the year and say, hey, I found great success in this past year because I was intentional with things that I wanted to accomplish. So I, we put them down on paper, and that way we can reflect on those things um, around 12 months from that time frame. So tonight, that's what I want to talk to you about is success. One word means a whole lot of things to a whole lot of different people, right? So that being said, again, you, you guys, most of you know what I do. Um, I work in operations management uh, for a dental organization. And in order for us to measure how successful we are from year to year, just like what my wife and I do, we sit down and we put goals on a piece of paper. And we say, okay, we want these goals to be something that are specific to our organization or to our industry. We want them to be measurable. We want it to be something that is attainable, something that is relevant, and something that is time-bound. They're called SMART goals. A lot of industries use those, and we do the same thing. Once I put together my SMART goals, I have a plan for my success, okay? So as I was doing some research for this particular topic, I came across a website 
I'd totally forgotten about. Um, I'd heard about them in the early years of my corporate success, if I can say it like that. Um, <laughs> I did not start in the same industry that I'm in now. I actually started in food service many, many years ago. Um, but it's called Successories.com. It started as a mail-order business featuring beautiful posters and plaques that had success-oriented themes. A lot of you have seen, um, man, I think we used to do it on projector back in the early 90s, but there used to be a frog stuck in like a pelican's throat, and the frog's arms are coming out from inside the pelican's mouth and holding on to his throat, and it says, never give up as this poor frog is being swallowed. Many of you have seen that. It used to be part of a lot of Sunday school curriculum way back when. Uh, A lot of stories surrounding that one. Uh, But for many years, this particular company, Successories, was very successful because they provided every kind of stationery. They had knickknacks. They had posters and gadgets. They had all of these all-inspiring messages of success printed on their merchandise. One of their more popular items was a poster that said, attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. The speed of the leader determines the rate of the pack. And success is a journey, not a destination. So there's this great demand for these products because the need to succeed or to reach goals, to feel a sense of accomplishment is basic to every person. Everybody wants to feel like what they do with their time and their effort and their energy is validated and therefore they are successful. Even Paul the Apostle was eager to succeed in evangelizing in places where no one had ever gone before. In Romans 15 and 20, it says, And thus I aspire to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. He wanted to have success. And so, to desire success is natural and good. How we as Christians obtain it is another matter. You see, the world has its own measures of success. Like all good things, success can become an occasion of sin, a way to cause us to stumble in our walk of faith with the Lord. If we are not careful, the striving for success can lead us to sin, and I want to talk to you about a few ways that that can happen. We can make success our God. Again, we can make success our God. Matthew 6 and 21 says, where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. This is pretty personal to me. I have um, done my best to provide for my family and, if you will, climb a corporate ladder through my career. As I mentioned to you, I started in food service industry I started actually taking orders in a Zaxby's drive-thru many, many, many years ago. I'm sitting there thinking about it uh, tonight. I can't believe it's been 22 years ago. Um, And so, yeah, I know I'm that old, right? (laughs) But 
I think about that, and I, I, I think, you know, God has blessed me and allowed me to walk through every door that he's opened, but it took me putting in the work in order to make that change in my life, right? So when we think about where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And the context of how this can become a sin, we need to think about the va- what we value most will be what we worship and what we serve. And succeeding in what our life is about, succeeding in our job or succeeding in our hobbies or succeeding in winning at whatever, then there are our emotions are tied to our success. Our time is tied to our success. Our energy is tied to our success. And I, I thought of a story um, I'd heard about many years ago that said there was an elder in the church who took it upon himself to go and reach out to one of the saints that normally would come, and that particular saint hadn't been there in many, many years. So the, the elder reached out to him, and he developed this relationship with him, and he pulled him kind of back into the flock, and he was very happy at the growth that he saw in this particular individual. Well, the guy started, you know, making a little bit more money and, and getting a little more opportunity, and all of a sudden, where he was very faithful to the house of God, he started slipping a little bit again, and he got to where he just wasn't coming at all anymore. And so because that particular elder had taken an interest in this individual, he went over to his house one day and he stood on the front door or front porch and he knocked and finally the the gentleman came to the door and he said, hey, you know, I miss you. I've been wondering what's going on with you. You know, can you tell me what, are you sick? Is there something I can help you with? You know, we've really been missing you at church. I, I miss our interactions. And to his dismay, this particular gentleman spoke to him and said, you know, I've been devoting all of my time to my schoolwork. You see, I got this new job and they promised me an opportunity if I would get this next degree that I could, I could make a little bit more money and I could be a little bit more successful. And so all of my spare time has been devoted to that. And then on top of that, I've been coaching my son's little league team and man, we're just about ready to take on the little playoffs, and I want him to be successful. And, and so that's really, all of my spare time has either been in school or doing this coach. I really, I don't have time to come to church anymore. He was making the success of the world his God. What he was devoting his time to became his God. The second thing is we can make success our standard. Because I want to work all the time, or I want to study all the time, or I expect myself to perform at 110 or 15 percent, I'm going to expect the same thing from you. This is a more subtle trap, but it's an easy one to fall into. We have our own measure of success, and when that becomes so important to us, we start comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. As Christian James tells us not to make distinctions between men. As he puts it in his epistle, giving the rich man a favored position and a place in the church and treating the poor man with contempt. That's James 1 and 1 through 4. The danger and sin here, according to James, is to judge the value and worthiness 
of a person based on how they have succeeded in life. Yet Jesus said life is more than food or clothing. That's Matthew 6, 25. There is more to a person than what they eat or what they wear, yet some will judge others simply by their appearance of success rather than what is in the heart. Therein lies the sin of insincerity and selfishness caused by our false notion that a successful person is more worthy of our time and of our love than one who is not. Mickey Dolzen, a member of the band The Monkees, back from the 70s, said that when he was famous and successful, everybody wanted to give him stuff for free. Yet after his fame and much of his wealth was gone, when he actually needed help, no one would give him the time of day. Jesus died for us all. He is no respecter of persons, and especially no respecter of success. Therefore, our judgment should not be more exclusive than his. Success at all costs. There are two strategies for success in the world. There would be the highway and the low way. The highway says this is represented and encouraged by companies like Successories. They promote teamwork, excellence in work and product, innovation in approach, and a continual motivation of individuals with incentives, encouragement, and self-image builders that they provide all through their products. Another method is found in Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of a Highly Effective People. Many of you have read that. If not, it's a good read. Um, in this book, he stresses character and says that the development of one's character is the key to effective and successful living. It's not what you do, it's who you are. But then there's the low way to success. This way says, do whatever it takes to get ahead. The low way's philosophy is that the end justifies the means. Cheat, lie, compromise yourself and your values, but just make sure you win. Seems that we're seeing a lot of this, especially if you ever flip on the TV or the Facebook Live or, or whatever. You know, there's constantly some person validating their own success by tearing down someone else. Um, where everything is calculated to produce the maximum effects of success, this would be the highway. One reason I've always been wary of some, but not all, multi-level multi marketing schemes. Anybody know what that is? That was, that was a big thing, especially in the early 90s. It's still big now, but probably a little bit more subtle. Um, they, they had an idea of seeing that everyone was a potential customer and a stepping stone to greater personal success. That means that, that I walk around and I know there's still some aspects of this that we use in everyday business, but I walk around seeing every one of you with a dollar sign, okay? So, Jake, your, Brother Jake, your dollar sign right there means that if you, can, if you can get my brother Joe there to work under you, you can make some more money, and, man, that means I got two dollar signs going. And, and then if, 
if everybody on this row gets a dollar sign, that makes you more successful. But man, all that's funneled back to me, and it's all centered on me. I, I think about my success. I'm not thinking about how many people that I had to step on to get to where I, I want to go. I'm thinking about me. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. And that is what we have to stay away from. So there is the God of success. The idea of Christianity and success are not in opposition to each other. Do y'all know that? God wants us to be able to be successful. So when somebody says, oh, well, that's unchristian that you're able to pay your bills. Well, you get thee behind me, Satan. That's a lie. I don't believe God wants me to be a pauper. I believe that God has given me a brain. He's given me ideas. He's given me arms and a back and legs that can take me to where I need to go. And the ability to do work to be successful while I'm here on this earth. Amen? So our God is a God of of success, and how I can prove that to you is that he succeeded in creating the world that he intended to create. Amen? We did not happen in a big bang. Our big bang did not flatten this world. God created the world as he wanted it to be, and in that he is successful. Our Lord Jesus created and is successful in his very difficult mission to come here and die for my sins. That was an intentional act for him to step out of the king of glory role, wrap himself in flesh, and go to a cross for my sins. He was successful in completing his mission. God is a God of success. The apostles succeeded in spreading the gospel and establishing the church through the Roman Empire against tremendous odds. Y'all want to hear something crazy? Go back and read about all the adversities that the apostles went through dealing with those Romans. Man, it is crazy. But they were successful because guess what? We're in 2022 And there is a church. There is a church down the street. There's a church in another state. There's a church in another country. There is a church around the world because God is a God of success. When he gives us the opportunity and an idea, he makes a way for us to be successful. Amen? The Bible, God's word, has remained unchanged and unmoved and continues to save, encourage, teach, and correct every new generation of believers. The Bible is God's word, and God's word is successful. Christians in Christianity have a strong record of success, better than any nation, any government, any philosophy, any product, or any monetary system. God is successful. How then do Christians succeed? Much of what the success gurus preach comes from basic ideas that are founded in the Bible. So you'll recognize many of these concepts. I just want to make sure that you realize that they are in fact from God and not from man. So here are five ways to succeed as a Christian. Y'all ready for this? 
Number one, take a risk. Risk. Big, scary word, but that is a biblical thing for us to do. That's right. Thank you, Pastor. If you didn't step out of the boat, we'd have no parable. Who was that, Pastor? Peter. He took that risk. Guess what, y'all? It takes faith to take a risk. There is no faith without risk. Faith is all about taking the step, not knowing if that step will lead you to where you want to go or not. Noah risked his reputation in building a boat in the desert. Rain did not exist. People talked about him. He took a risk. Abram risked his family in leaving for an unknown land. Moses risked his freedom in going before the Pharaoh. David risked his life fighting Goliath. Think there was no risk there? Man, this guy's 11, 12, 13, 27 foot tall, however tall he was. David's this ruddy boy. He's a shepherd boy. And he's going to say, okay, God, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Now, where's the stream? And I've got to fight him with what? Whew. Got to take a risk. God, I trust you as I take this risk. The apostles risked everything they ever had, they ever wanted to have, all the relationships, just to follow Jesus. There's a recent survey um, given to men over the age of 90 years old. And in this survey, they asked them a lot of different questions, but one that specifically stood out to me was, if you could go back and you could do anything differently, what would you do? The answer was, they would have risked more. They would have taken a chance. They can look back and they see, man, if I'd have made that investment. Man, if, I would have, if I'd have went out and knocked that door that day, I could, have, I could have met this person. Or, man, how did I miss that boat? They would have taken a risk. The Bible doesn't say to take foolish risks or sinful risks, but in order to get somewhere or something, we always have to take a risk. One of the successory posters says, you cannot discover new oceans unless you are willing to lose sight of the shore. Mm. So first, we've got to take a risk. Second, we've got to take responsibility. That is a foreign word. It is a big word. It is a word Kaylin and I are working very hard to instill in Abigail. Take responsibility. No one has ever succeeded on someone else's hard work. You may think you have, but you truly haven't. Success in any endeavor requires that a person take the responsibility for failure or success. 
no one succeeds by accident. Sure, there's people who, you know, man, they, they just hit that right number. And they got that lottery. They got that pick six or they got the mega ball or whatever it is. Or somebody knocked at their, Ed McMahon knocked at their door one day and said, you have won a check. And not, hopefully not many of y'all know who Ed McMahon is, but, you know. Anyway, he brought a check to some people at some point. So there's going to be those one-off people. You know, they, they won the lottery. They won Publishers Clearinghouse or maybe you know, somebody did work really hard all their life and just willed that to them. And that's great. But when you look at the number of people who have wealth in, in, in one of those ways, compared to the rest of the world, that's a very, very small number. So it truly does take work in order to get to where you want to go. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 10, I labored even more than all of them. He was explaining his response to God's grace and how it motivated him to work very hard in order to succeed in accomplishing all that he did in mission work. He knew where he was going and his gains were not by accident. It's an old story but true, no pain, no gain. All the guys in the room, some of the girls, if you have ever worked out, you know, I'm, I'm not the same guy I was about four years ago. I don't have the same arms. I don't have the same legs. Whew, uh, my cookies have gotten to me. That's, that's a weak spot for me, chocolate chip cookies. Man, I can eat them by the dozen. But if I want my physical body to get back to where I feel like at least, my wife, thank you for watching, honey, uh, thinks it is most attractive, I've got to put in the work. That means I have to go and lift more than my body wants to lift. That means that I have to rip the muscle, not getting ripped, but actually rip the muscle. That's how it grows. It's going to be painful. It takes effort. It's got to be something I'm committed to in order to see the success of my endeavors. I've got to make it a habit. I've got to get out of bed every day and push back the plate. I can't, ooh, I can't have Pillsbury or Toll House or whatever your, you know, favorite is. Can't have Annabeth's cookies. But it takes pain to get me to where I want to go. In order for me to be successful, I must labor. My success is my responsibility. If I achieve it, I will rejoice and give thanks. If I fail, I will blame no one but myself. Unless it's my responsibility, I will never be successful. So I have to risk, and I have to take responsibility. Number three, I have to expect opposition. The reason that so many people fail is because they quit the movement there is, uh, the moment that there is opposition or difficulty. Just like with that sentence, I could walk away right now because I had opposition in pronouncing that word. I could allow myself to be defeated, but I will not. 
(laughs) They think that opposition is God's way of telling them to quit. Now, you know, I believe in fleecing the Lord, and I know my pastor does. I believe in praying prayers that God will shut doors that we should not walk through. However, I think when it came to there being some spies for the Israelites, that they were going to come across some opposition with those giants in that promised land, right? That doesn't mean that the promised land was not there for their taking. It just means it wasn't going to be handed to them on a silver platter. We must expect opposition. With every opportunity, there comes opposition. That's why the mountaintop is up and not down. I didn't say that one has to like the opposition or the trouble or the trials. I said that if you want it to be successful, you must expect it. That goes for business, that goes for marriage, that goes for ministry. In whatever you decide that you want to take on in life, expect the obstacles, expect the adversaries and the unexpected because it will always go wrong. Paul wrote to the Corinthians about a great opportunity to bring the gospel to Asia Minor. But listen to how he described said opportunity. In 1 Corinthians 16 and 8, he said, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When we know that there is going to be opposition, We can be calm, not discouraged, and ready to deal with it when it happens. Successful Christians understand that opposition is the simple part and the cost of obtaining success. An open door of opportunity is never without some form of obstacle. So we've got to take a risk. We've got to take responsibility, and we've got to expect that obstacles are going to come in our path. We must also be prepared to lose it all. You see, Job was able to bear under his great suffering because he was prepared to lose it all. In Job 1 and 21, he says, And naked came I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. If success is your God, your only game, and your one motivation in life, then you are in a bad bargaining position. You see, under these conditions, if you lose, you lose it all. This attitude can easily tempt you to sell your soul in order to be successful. When success is part of your life but not the focal point of your life, however, you have the opportunity and the strength to start over when defeated, and you have the ability to find peace and joy regardless of your rate of success. The fifth and final thing is we must depend on God. Of course, this is a key element that separates a Christian struggle for success with the rest of the world. 
For a Christian, success is simply another way of expressing what is at the center of his life, and that is to glorify God. This goal is perfectly reached through faith and obedience to Jesus Christ. Worldly success simply provides another avenue to honor the Lord. Education and skill, money, character, contacts, and hard work are all useful tools in obtaining success. But a Christian knows that his ultimate success depends solely upon God. And so he does his best, but depends on God for the outcome. King Solomon says in Proverbs 16 and 3, Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. If your heart's desire is to please and honor God, he will delight in blessing your plans and give you the success that you strive for. And I'm going to close with this. My prayer is that every dream that you have be a godly one and that it can be blessed according to God's will. We want you to be successful. I want you to be successful. But we must pursue the things of God in order to find true success. We've got to be able to risk. We've got to be able to take responsibility. We've got to be able to expect obstacles. We've got to be able to be prepared to lose it all. But most of all, we must depend on God. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Pastor, if you'll come. Come on, give that hand clap to the Lord. Let's stand together. I was thinking of just so many different scriptures while he was going through that. And, and there's a scripture, and I, I can't remember right where it's at, but I, I think about it often. And it says that the man that fears the Lord shall come forth of them all. It's, man, you're, when, when you... Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God, man, you're going to be successful. If you, uh, the one writer said, the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep the commandments, you're, you're going to be successful. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you. And so that uh, he gave great advice tonight for us, not just to be successful in the things of the world, but in our walk with the Lord. And uh, that's while we put this focused uh, theme up with all of these messages that we're preaching, because that's what you won't be successful if you don't have focus. And when our focus is on the Lord, we, we won't mind taking risk and taking responsibility. Those things, they just comes as part of serving the Lord, being like the Lord. Uh, and so, man, I'm thankful tonight that uh, uh, God does want us to be successful. And, and let me tell you, if you think, Want, want to know anything about your pastor is this. He wants you to be successful. I tell my people all the time, just when I'm counseling, hey, I want you to have the best. I want you to have the desires of your heart. But, man, most of all, I want to be able to stand one day and give a good account when I hear the Lord say, well done to you. Not just to me, but when I see him say it to you. I hope, it, I hope that's the privilege that all pastors get. That we just get to stand over there on the side and watch all the people we pastored come through and, and get to see them get their reward. It would be great. 
So I'm thankful for success tonight. As, uh, uh, God wants you to be successful. Praise the Lord. So while she's playing tonight, uh, if you'd like to, come find a place tonight. Just pray for a few moments. Ask God to help you with your, your success. Lord, help me to take a risk. Maybe there's been something God's laying on your heart, but you're just a little bit timid about stepping out of that boat. But tonight, maybe you'll just go ahead and put that water under your feet and, and do what God wants you to do. God wants you to be successful.
Praise God. Whatever he wants me to be. Man, I want to be successful, but I want to be what he wants me to be. I want to be successful in the ways he wants me to be. You got to have a determination. You have to be like one psalmist said, my heart is fixed. It's just uh, nothing's going to move me. You know, people that are successful in anything, they, they endure, they strive, they're, they're constantly, Paul said, I forget about the things that are behind and man, I'm reaching forward. Uh, even things that were, I thought were gained to me, I, I let that stuff go. You, you learn what to let go of so you can get what's important. And I, I think that's part of it, praise God. Great word tonight, brother. Appreciate that. Give the Lord a hand for that word tonight. What a great word. Thank you for being here tonight. I know everybody's a little okay, but we're all well. We're better. We're going to be here Sunday, 11 o'clock, and then at 12 o'clock, ready to worship the Lord and have some church. Love to see some more people baptized in Jesus' name and filled the Holy Ghost. Amen. So let's come ready to worship the Lord. Invite somebody to church with you. It's going to be great. God bless you tonight, and you can be dismissed in Jesus' name.